Hi, this is part two to our conversation with 17-time Grand Slam champion and two-time gold medalist Gigi Fernandez. She is going to discuss how and when adult recreational players should poach, and I think it's really interesting. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, I hope you'll go back and listen. So can you tell me or tell us um, when you should generally look to poach? Because this is one of my biggest things that I was trying to learn this, I guess, 2020, right? Coronavirus year. Um, Didn't get a chance to because we weren't out on the court as much. But Carolyn and I just got bumped that year, 2019, from three fives to four O's. And I was like, 2020 is going to be my year to figure out when to poach. And then I didn't really get it. And then COVID hit. Yeah, and then COVID (laughs) hit and we weren't on the court as much. So now Carolyn and I are calling this our rebuilding years since we just got bumped up and we're like the little infant four O's now. But so can you give us a sense of best time to poach? Yeah. So first of all, you want to poach on a deep ball and ideally one that's an outside shot, right? So you want an outside shot when you poach. Um, if you poach on an inside shot, you're giving them the option to hit the, the cross court backhand okay. or cross court forehand, forehand, backhand, assuming right handed, which is the easier of the shots. Um, and, you know, this is like a, you know, I, sometimes I have to be careful how I say this because the reality of t- life is that as we age, we, we be, we're slower, right? And mm-hmm. we just, it, it gets to the point where the, it's, poaching is a physics problem that has no solution. Right, because we have two moving objects and an interception point. You're moving, the ball's moving, and you have to intercept it. So what's your velocity? What's the velocity of the ball? And sometimes your velocity is not going to be enough. And the velocity of the ball is too fast, and you're not going to get to that interception point. Right. That's the reality of poaching. So what I what I implement for adults is what I call plan switches. And when you have a plan switch, you and your partner have an agreement on which ball you're going to go. So you say you're returning and you say the returner's partner will give, put a number in the back of their, of their, you know, in the back. So the opponents don't see it and say, it's a two. That means when the opponent hits the second ball, then you guys are going to switch. And when you switch, you can leave early. You can leave super early because you don't want to get past cross court because your partner's going right. So if you're, if you're in this cross court rally and you say on the second one, I'm going, you go, they come here. If they hit the ball cross court, you have to get it. So, and then knowing that your partner's going to go get the one on the line because you, um, they knew that you were poaching. So what I like about it is that it confuses the opponent, you know, because they see the movement and then they try to change the direction of the ball kind of mid swing. And it causes a lot of, um, a lot of errors, but also it helps you be a little more successful poaching because you can leave a little bit sooner and not get burned down the line. Yeah. So am I leaving right before they hit it? Am I leaving as they so if you have try, like a plan? Okay. So for pros and for people who hit the ball hard and who are super agile, the timing of the poach is as, as the player starts this, mo- this motion, right? So you've taken the racket back. As you start going, that's when you leave. Because once, once a player is on their path, it's hard to, like, change your mind and hit it down the line if you're going to go hit cross court. So it's once but the racket is back? Is that when, the ra- for- when they start, right when they start a forward motion. Oh, so if one. you're fast, if you're fast, you can leave right when they start the forward motion and then if you can get there, great. That that's amazing. Now if now if they hit the ball too hard or you're too slow, then you have to have the agreement with your partner and say, okay, the second one I'm going, the third one I'm going, and then you would just leave like almost before they start mm-hmm. taking the racket back. Really? Right? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's I mean, usually, I mean, if it yeah. depending, it all depends on the pace of the ball. Like <laughs> she likes it on the serve. Like if you're doing it on the serve, 
I mean, if it's a good hard serve, what you guys four zero, so yeah. serves are probably still not super hard. Yeah. So maybe after the ball has come off the bounce and it's when the player's starting to set up, then you, you would take it. So you have to time it so that you have to be assured that if the ball went cross court, you're able to get it. Yeah. But that cross court ball is not going to get by you because your that, partner's going to cover the down the line. Yeah, you can also do these, these planned switches if you have like a preferred ground stroke. Say your backhand's better than your forehand, or your forehand's better than your backhand by a lot. And you don't want to hit backhand. You know, you have you're you're stuck in a backhand cross court rally, and then this person's just beating you because they're better. Then you just do that plan switch, and then you go hit forehands. You can do it on the serve or on the return. So the more creative you can get with your positioning and your you know, your tactics and your movement, um, the more successful you're going to be uh, starting at the four zero level now because you guys are. Um, have to play special now to beat the foros because you're new foros. Mm-hmm. So you have to like kind of try to confuse them and do different things yeah. and use the element of surprise. I always talk to our pro at our club and I think it must drive people that played have played tennis for their whole lives or gotten to a great, you know, high level. How does it not make you crazy watching people like us hit tennis balls? Because uh, we don't we don't have, you know, <laughs> we haven't been playing since we were kids and we don't no, have I these think, great... I think I was... I was born, I, you know, I'm very passionate about tennis and I think I was meant to be some kind of teacher. Um, so when I retired from tennis, I didn't really think I was going to teach, but I started coaching a Puerto Rican junior and I enjoyed it. And then I coached some pros. Um, I coached Lisa Raymond and Sam Stoser. They won a grand slam. So I was coach of a grand slam team. That was fun. But in the end, you know, then I became director of tennis at a facility in Connecticut and then I got exposed to all kinds of um, levels of, of tennis from three-year-olds to like 80-year-olds. And I just really found my niche teaching adults because I felt, first of all, the kids talk back and you have to deal with the parents. Sorry, I'm a parent now, so I know what it's like to be on the other side. Right. Um, and, but they talk back and they didn't respect and they didn't understand how cool it was to be to be getting taught by a grandson champion. Whereas the adults really respected me and really um, they really absorbed my instruction. And then also what it was is that I discovered the social side of tennis. Like for you guys, tennis is social. It's so for good. me, it never was until, uh, until 10 years ago when I started coaching adults. And it's like, oh my God, I can have friends and I can give them lessons. And then we can go play, you know, we can go to a tournament and I can coach him and then we can have lunch and have a drink. So I discovered this whole social side of tennis and the other misconception that I had was that adults couldn't improve. Like if you were a three, five, you'd be a three, five forever for the rest of your life. Right. But when I started coaching adults and, you know, I had uh, the same group for a year, it was like, Oh my God, the difference between the beginning and the end was like, these players are really improving. So when you're a teacher, you want your students to improve. And then finally, you know, when I started coaching adult recreational players and, and I saw how we were teaching doubles, I was just, flabbergasted because it was so bad it was so bad how we were teaching doubles at our club and i was like this cannot be this cannot be how we teach adults how to play doubles i'm sorry this is just not right so then i started traveling around the country thinking maybe it was because of where i was was not you know right. was not a tennis place but it was systemic it was like all over the country people do this follow the ball thing and they're in the alley and they reverse stagger and they get don't cover the lobs and they hit the wrong shots and they don't understand high percentage shot selection so then I became really passionate about sharing what I knew about doubles. And and then once you find an audience of people like I have 15,000 email followers, you know, so then, yeah. so then it's, you turn it, turn it into a business, but it's because I love it. I love tennis and I love sharing, sharing my knowledge and I love being on the court. Well, we're so, so glad why. you did it. 
I, I yeah. feel like everybody that takes your class, because I told my good friend Teresa about you, and then she signed up for the GG Method classroom. Good. And she's a big fan of yours. And now after we play, we're like, what would Gigi say about this? Right. Like, well, talk. <laughs> what would Gigi do? What would so Gigi the do? Other thing, the other thing that I'm just piloting right now, I have a the licensing program for clubs. So I have two clubs right now that are delivering my curriculum mm. to their members with pros that I trained. So I train the pros and, and the method, and then I send them the drills, and they follow my curriculum. And we're doing that at two clubs. I have about 120 players right now taking it on a weekly basis, on a test test trial. So hopefully that works. So far, it's going really good. So I, hopefully I over hope the it's next no, year. I hope it's not a club that we play against in our area. I know, right? That's <laughs> one in Seattle, one in New Canaan. Okay, okay. good. <laughs> but but if you, I mean, if you have a, a pro who – who loves to teach doubles and is interested just kind of yeah. send it my way, because I think it's something that for the, from the pro side, they love it because they don't have to think about what to work on. You know, sometimes it's challenging as a pro to always come up with creative lesson plans and mm-hmm. always work on something different. And then the G method, it's a year long curriculum is uh, 42 weeks of different drills that build on uh, all the steps of the G method. As adult recreational players, we're always, before we start, you know, we're all laughing and saying, this isn't Wimbledon, you know, let's not take it too seriously. But what is it like to win a Grand Slam? Oh, well, I so long ago. My last Grand Slam was in 97, so it's almost 25 years. Um, You know, it's like this rush of adrenaline that you you might have experienced like childbirth. It's very similar to that, like, Oh my God. I actually felt, I actually felt like I won a grand slam yesterday. I watched CNN for 14 hours. <laughs> I'm so ecstatic that we have a female vice president. I mean, Is I don't it? care yes, what party yes. you are. Yes. Exactly. We have a female vice president and yeah. my daughter can look up, you know, I talked to her about it. She says, this is amazing, Maddie. You don't have no idea. And she doesn't get it. Right. She doesn't get it because she didn't live her whole life being right. just because she's a woman. And you know, I just, you have, but anyway, back to your question. Um, it's just like this euphoria, right? That you accomplish something that you worked so hard. Sometimes it's euphoria. Sometimes it's relief. Sometimes it's like, ah, I just want another one. And actually that's when I knew it was time to retire because yeah. when I won, you know, I used to win grand slams and it was like, okay, you know, I won another one. Um, because, you know, my partner and I, we went, we went in this, in this tear, like we won 15, uh, 14 grand slams in five years. So we were winning th- almost three grand slams a year. So I just, we just thought it was normal, you know, right. and now it's like, no, no one's ever done that in any sport. No one's ever won 15 grand slams in five years. Like we have like, um, brought the Brian brothers, Venus and Serena, like they did it, you know, they have the same number, but they've done it over a 25 year career. So, um, so yeah, over time it became like, Oh, I just won another grand slam. And then in the end I decided to retire because I felt like, you know, I had 17 grand slams. And my predominant thought was, well, if I have 18, how's my life going to change? Right. And I was like, it's not going to change. It doesn't matter. I mean, the only thing that I would have kept playing for was to tie or catch or beat Martina and Pam, um, Navratilova and Shriver for the most Grand Slams in history. And they had 20 and Natasha and I had 14. So if we had kept playing, we, we made a caught them. But, um, you know, I was 33 and kind of back in my era, 33 was old. That you're a dinosaur at now, yeah. So now it's young. It was yeah. kind of time for me to go. And Natasha wanted to play with uh, someone younger. She wanted to play with Lindsay Davenport. So I didn't want to start it over with a new partner and win another Grand Slam. So 
So I, I thought it was time. I also didn't want to retire. I also didn't want to go through that kind of decline that champions go through when they start losing to people they shouldn't and they kind of walk away ungracefully. You know, I really wanted to retire on top. And I, you know, I won two Grand Slams and made the finals of the third the year I retired. So it seemed like the right time. In hindsight, stupid decision. I probably should have played <laughs> 10 more years. <laughs> but if you knew then what we know now, right? Right, yeah. right. Thanks again to Gigi for talking with us. I can't wait to try out the plan switches that she discussed in this episode. We have one more episode with Gigi next week, and she's going to tell us about a skill that she learned how to do. And after she learned it, she won multiple Grand Slams and the gold medal within six months. And it's something that all of us can do without leaving the couch. So we hope you'll listen. Please check out our Facebook page, which is Second Serve Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you on the court soon. 